time he made me think of the Booth Brothers. He was singing, and a little old lady stood up in the balcony, up in the balcony, said, they sang a song and said, Sing it again, she said. And they sang it again and got through it. She said, Sing it again. And about three or four times she said, Sing it again. She said, Sing it till you get it right. <laughs> oh, me, I feel this week like a Dr. Tom Malone. He's, uh, Dr. Tom Malone had uh, in his kitchen he had all his appliances and they was all pink appliances from Sears and Roebuck and uh, he said his refrigerator went out he said he went in there and put his arm around that refrigerator and he said now Lord you got to heal this refrigerator because if I buy another one I can't get a pink one and if I get another my wife's going to want a stove the same color and Everything else the same color, and I'll have to buy all new appliances. He put his arm around that thing and prayed for it, and it lasted another two years. <laughs> my car quit running, my, my Lexus, my 2001 Lexus. My kids always, everyone wants me to get a new car. Daddy, why don't you get a new car? I said, I don't want a new car. I like this one. But it quit this week. He got to chugging along, and I said, What the world? And so I took it to the mechanic, and and uh, they looked at that thing. We said, we can't find one thing wrong with it. It runs perfect here in the garage. <laughs> I'd take it out in the road. I'd give it a red Here we go again. I said, have you checked the coils on the stupid thing? Did you know one of them Lexus has six coils, one to every cylinder? It's crazy. My old truck had one coil. But anyhow, got it fixed, runs like a top. And I'll keep running it till it drops. Because the Lord blesses it. But anyhow, it's been one of those kind of weeks. Seems like everything I've touched has fell apart. I'm just glad to be here with y'all today. In Romans chapter 5, please, I'm beginning to read in verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Find it because I want you to see it. I encourage everybody to read the book of Romans. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope for the glory of God. And not only so, but we go in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope make it not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet pure venture for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man centered in into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. <coughs> For that all have sinned, for unto the law sin was in the world, 
But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that have not sinned, after the multitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they were which received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray in these next few moments now that you'll let the Holy Spirit use us, hide us behind the cross. Lord, we need a blessing from you. And we ask you one for today for everyone here. Every one of us has different needs in our life. But we know you can meet them all. So we ask you to do so in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this chapter in the book of Romans. And I call it the principles of the gospel. In the first two chapters of Romans, God shows that man is hopefully lost in sin. In chapter 3, God shows salvation from sin is free. In chapter 4, God shows salvation is by faith alone. In chapter 5, God shows salvation is forever. Now our standing, we are in Christ Jesus by faith right now. Our state, we are still in the flesh, which is still sinful, therefore we can overcome the power of sin in the flesh progressively by the work of the Holy Spirit that's in us. We must grow up and not always be baby Christians. We must mature. Then God shows how maturity is determined for us. The last part of verse 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, what I'd like to show today is how God has loved us. In verses 5 through 11, the proof of God's love is found in His gift, John 3:16. God so loved the world, and the proof of that love He gave His Son to die for us on the cross. The gift of Christ is ever and always the proof of God's love. God's love is unconditional. Verse 6 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Uh, you don't deserve Christ dying for us. Amen? None of us do. 
But in due time, Christ died for every one of us. Christ died for the ungodly. This is the proof of God's love. It is unconditional. You don't have to do something to get God to love you. He loves you anyway. God's love is incomparable. Verse 7 and 8. No other love is like God's love. Jesus came to die for sinners. That proves His uncomparable love. Now, you go back to Genesis chapter 1. If you'll turn back there for just a second, I'd like to show you something. In Genesis chapter 1, and I want you to look with me in verse 31. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. What I'd like for you to see is that before sin entered in the world, everything that God ever made was absolutely perfect. It was good. Then sin entered the world through Satan into man, and since that time, uh, sin defied both heaven and earth. Sin has introduced rebellion and ruin where once God reigned supreme. The world is haunted by demons and disease and death and dotted with graveyards and hospitals and prisons and the world is ruined by uh, vileness and misery and hatred and wars and famine and blight and pestilence and death and decay which are all products of sin. And man, in hand, in hand with sin, when God sent His Son into the world to save him from sin, man spit in God's Son's face and crucified Him. Yet, despite all this, Colossians 1 and verse 20 says, God has made peace through the blood of His cross. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, God is incomparable. Look at chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we come to the provision of God's love, verse 9 and 10. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. The provision of God's love, God's love has provided for our salvation, and we are both justified and reconciled. Now, where in the Bible does it say, nowhere in the Bible does it say God is reconciled? The sin is on our part, not on God's part. We need to be reconciled to God, not God reconciled to us. Therefore, it is perpetuation which God's righteousness and mercy have provided that makes reconciliation possible for those who receive it. We are saved from wrath. An old hymn goes, God will not payment twice demand, first at my Savior's bleeding hand, and then again at mine. Christ gave His life for us. We're justified by His blood and saved from wrath through Him. We have been reconciled to God by the death of His Son. But there's more to it than that. Verse 10, the last part, tells us Christ gave His life to us, not just for us. Christ giving His life for us saves us from the penalty of sin. Christ giving His life to us saves us from the power of sin. Uh, His life in us will one day save us from the very presence of sin. Now let me give you something. I want you to understand this. When Jesus died on the cross and when I received Him as my Savior, Christ giving Him life for us, He saved my soul. 
But then Christ gave His life to us and Christ gave us uh, and saves us from the power of sin. Sin cannot have dominion over me. I'm saved by God's grace and He keeps me from sin. And then uh, His life in us, God saves us from the very presence of sin one of these days. One of these days I'll be in heaven, I'll be completely out of sin. Amen? Now, the product of God's love is found in verse 11. Look at it. Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The products of God's love, the fruit, the fruit of sin is human experience, was a separation from God and His company. Adam and Eve hid from God when they sinned, so the fruit uh, of sin is separation from God. But the fruit of the salvation is exaltation in God. Notice the word atonement in verse 11. We also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. You know what atonement means? It means brought back to God. One day our sin separated us from God. Now God brings us back to God. That's reconciliation. Now how God has loosed us from sin begins in verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, brought of sin. For under the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the multitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now, watch this, please. I deal with people all the time, and the first thing you've got to get people to understand before they can ever be saved is you're a sinner. You're not as good as God is good. Amen? That's what that means. And you, if you don't, and I've had people to say, well, I'm not that bad. Um, I don't steal, and I don't kill, and I don't rob. And they'll, they'll tell me all the things they don't do, and they think they're all right. But I want you to notice something. Uh, when the Bible says that we're sinners, we got our sin nature from Adam. And in our bloodline is sin. And where you want to admit this or not, you're a sinner. And it was caused by Adam. But, notice beginning in verse 15 now, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, is abounded unto many. Now the joy of salvation is, salvation is forever. Notice God has dealt with the fault fruits of sin, its guilt, and outworking in the life. And then God deals with the root. He goes back to the original sin of Adam in the fall. Romans shows Adam the respective of learned humanity and contrasts him with Jesus, the last Adam, that represents the redeemed of humanity. In Adam, all are sinners. In Christ, they are saints. In Adam's family, death reigns. In Christ's family, deliverance reigns. In case of Adam, God places the emphasis on his offense. In the case of Jesus, God places the emphasis on obedience. In Christ, God has dealt with sin, root and branch, and has devised a means of taking the believer out of Adam's family and placing him into the family of God. Now I want you to get this, please. Once I was in the family of Adam, 
I was a sinner. I was a sinner lost and undone on my way to hell. God took me out of the family of Adam and placed me into the family of Christ Jesus into God the Father's family. I'm one of God's children now. That's by grace. In Christ, God has dealt with sin, root and branch. Now, the religion of evolution, and that's what it is, a religion, because if you could take Adam out of the scheme of things, then Romans chapter 5 means nothing. If you take Adam out of the scheme of things, then you take out of the heart of the Bible teaching uh, on the cause and the nature and the consequences of sin. The doctrine of the heredity nature of sin is deeply written in the Word of God. Therefore, as far as the human race is concerned, sin has arisen in Adam as it has been transmitted by him to all the posterity which we are. Now, beginning in verse 7, and 9, and 10, you go back to the book of Hebrews, Levi paid tithe before he was born. Therefore, he had to exist as a tiny fellow inside of Abraham when Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek, king of Salem. Now, in court, according to Romans 3.23, we're all sinners. We're born sinners. None is righteous. Uh, Romans chapter 5, now look at verse 12. Wherefore, is by one man sinner in the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. Now, if we did not come from Adam, then we all don't have to answer to Adam's God. Do you see what evolution is all about? If there is no God, then we don't have to answer to God for our sins. Uh, but we did all come from Adam, and we all are sinners in Adam. We all must answer to Adam's God, which was uh, God the Father. Now, the problem of sin is stated in verses 12 through 14. Now, notice, nevertheless, death passed from Adam to Moses. Now, the presence of sin by one man, sin entered the world. The story of Adam and Eve is no myth then. And Scripture puts a full blame for human sin on the shoulder of Adam, the father of the human race. So all the unborn generations of men were in Adam, and in full Adam's sin. Adam was created in the image of the likeness of God, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. When Adam's family began to arrive after the fall, the Bible says Adam begat a son in his own likeness. From that time on, man has not been in the image of God, he's been in the image of Adam. And Adam's descendants do not bear the image of the likeness of God but the image and likeness of fallen Adam. Now, we have the presence of sin. We have the problems of, of the penalty of sin. In verse 12, by one man sin in the world, and death by sin. Genesis 2.17, God said, Thou shalt surely die. Genesis 3.4, is a serpent's lie. You shall not surely die. But God is truth, and every man a liar, the Bible said. The moment Adam sinned, he died spiritually. And later on in old age, he died physically. Genesis 3.19, Dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. So death passed from all men, for all men have sinned. So death was imputed immediately from Adam to each individual descendant of Adam. Now we have the power of sin. 
verse 13. Verse 13, For the law of sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Now get this, the law is our schoolmaster. When God gave His laws in the Old Testament, it was not for men to obey to be saved. They were to tell us how sinful we really are. They were our schoolmasters. They were our teacher. Now the fact, although sin was in the world for centuries, it was not formally charged to men's account until Moses came. When Moses came and gave the law, because it was, again, uh, men died. And the death of an in proof enough of that death then. Now go all the way back to the garden. Men died. And they died because of sin. But then the law came and was given to us and we understand where death came from. Now, therefore, the power of sin is introduced by Adam to his race. Here then is a problem of sin. Adam, by the fall, introduced to his race as yet unborn the delicate reigns of Adam uh, of sin. Now, here it is, what, 2019, I can't even remember what year I'm in, but I'm somewhere down the line in history, and I go all the way back to Adam, and I say, because Adam sinned, now I sin. And now I'm guilty just as much as Adam sinned, and my sin is upon me. So the power of sin is introduced to Adam, to his race. Now, we're sinners because we sin. Not only that, but we sin because we are sinners. And because we sin in Adam, death is imputed to us. Therefore, all die young and old alike. You know, as being a preacher, I've had the great privilege of preaching many funerals over these years. And I realized something. I preached little babies' funerals, preached old men's funerals, preached young people's funerals. Uh, women, men, little babies, it doesn't matter what, how old you are, doesn't matter what type you are, anything about it, I found one thing in common. All men die. Everybody dies. And if Jesus doesn't come back soon, and we all don't like to think about this, but everybody in this room will go the same way of every other man. We shall die. Amen? Now, we blame it on cancer. We blame it on heart failure. We blame it on everything in the world. Uh, they, when the doctor comes in, said they died of this, and they give the symptoms. Not true. We all die because of sin. Now, I want you to watch this. The problem is sin is studied now beginning in verse 15 through 21. Is there any hope? Is there any solution to the problem of sin? Yes, there is. God sent the second Adam. And the second Adam is Christ Jesus. Now, there is one who through his obedience can restore all that Adam first lost and rebellion against the command of God. The solution is twofold and is found in the gift of God. Release us from bankruptcy, if you would, please. Look at verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded 
unto many. That's why I love John 3.16 so much. For God so loved the world, that means every human being that's ever been born on the face of this earth, God loves. Now you get that straight, I don't care how mean they are, and I don't care how wicked they have been on the face of this earth, every human being that God ever created on the face of this earth, God loves them. The Bible says so. Now, God's gift also releases us from the blame of sin, though. Look at verse 16. Not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses under justification. You know, I've been watching this thing of Trump and, and what all the, is going on in, in the president's office and the message up there. And, and this guy Flynn, and he committed, I don't know what he done, and uh, I'm not interested in that right now. What I am interested in is that he's hoping for a release from what he's been accused for and facing prison term. And the one that can do that is the President of the United States. He can give him a full pardon. That means he don't have to pay for whatever he's done. Now, I want to give you this. There's one that can pardon you from sin. Amen. And only one can pardon you from sin. That is, release you from all your guilt of sin. And that's the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And you can come along and say, Well, I deserve to be free. I deserve to go to heaven. No, you don't. Because the Bible says it is a free gift. You don't deserve anything from God. God freely gives you. There's no man on the face of this earth ever has been and ever will be who will deserve the Lord Jesus Christ die for you. He died for you freely upon the cross. And God's gift releases us from bondage. Look at verse 17 with me now. In verse 17, if you would please, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Did you notice the word that receives what God has done for you? Did you know that Trump, our president, uh, could release this man uh, that I just mentioned to you and say, I pardon you. Did you know that pardon is no good to him unless he receives it? He can pardon him all he wants to. If he says, I don't want your pardon. I'll go to jail and pay for it. Well, I'll go to jail then. You have no recourse. But it's been paid for, it's been pardoned because the president pardoned him for it. Amen? It's the same thing when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ died on the cross for every sin in this room today. Every person in this room, Jesus died for that cross or for your sin. But wait a minute. Unless you receive it, it's no good to you. You'll die in your sins. Just like a man that would be pardoned by the president and he didn't receive that pardon and he goes on to jail and pays for his crime, then it's the same thing if you die in your sin without asking Christ for his forgiveness that he did for you on the cross, then you have to pay for your sin. But it's a free gift. God repeats the good news in verse 18 and 19. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, 
Even so, by the rights of one, the free gift came to all men under justification of life. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Notice that word 19 did not say all would be made righteous. It said that by many be made righteous. And you know what that simply means? It simply means as many as receive Him will be made righteous, and as many as does not receive Him will not be made righteous. And so it's very important that you see this difference. The solution of the problem of sin depends not only on the gift of God, but also on the grace of God. Grace made the gift possible. Note the abundant supply of grace also. Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You ever hear somebody say, well, I've sinned beyond God's grace. I've sinned beyond where God can save me. Oh, no, you haven't. Did you ever play with a little crazy ball? You remember, y'all are too young. I can tell that by looks on your face. You don't even know what I'm talking about. Several years ago, they come out with this little ball, you know, you throw it up against the wall, that thing, you throw it just haphazardly for BAM! That thing would jump twice. You could bounce it on the floor. BAM! It'd go to the ceiling. It would always bound much more than what you threw it down. It doubled what it's going to do coming up. That's the grace of God. There's no man's sin beyond the grace of God. Yeah, listen, I went to the prison one day. I went to Rayford, and a young man committed murder. And uh, the Bible says, no murder shall enter the kingdom of God. Right? So can a murderer get saved? Yes, they can. Why? Because once you receive Christ's forgiveness, you're not guilty of murder any longer. You're freed from it. Amen? And there, I went to Rayford, and I went to this young man that committed murder, and I, I took my Bible, and I laid him to saving faith in Christ Jesus. And I came back, and I was telling everybody, this man, Goyce, got saved in Rayford for murder that he committed. And they said, oh, no, nah, preacher, that can't be. Yes, it can be, because grace, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And I don't care what you've done today. And I don't care what sin you've been involved in in your past life. God can forgive you. Why? Because His grace is greater than your sin. His grace is greater than anything you've ever done in your whole life. Grace is sufficient to save anybody. That's why I love preaching. That's why I love to be a pastor and go help people because I can always go with this probably proof and I can help you. I can show you the one who can. I can show you the one that can save your soul. I can show you one that can forgive you the sin you've committed. Why? Because His grace is greater than your sin. Then notice lastly, Paul ends the great chapter by reminding us the abundant sovereignty of God's grace in verse 21. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness. Unto eternal life, by Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You know what, folks? I got eternal life. I don't have life for 30 days and lose it. I don't have life for 300 years and lose it. I got eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. When Jesus saved my soul, He saved it forever. 
He gave me eternal life. I never will forget I was dealing or talking to a holiness preacher one time and he told me uh, that he didn't believe uh, that you could be saved uh, forever, that you could be saved and then lose your salvation. I said, didn't you explain to me John 3.16? If you can explain one word to me, then I can believe that I can lose my salvation. You know what that one word is? Eternal. Eternal. When I got saved, I got saved for eternity. Now, if you can go beyond eternity and take my salvation away from me, then I can lose it. But the truth is, for eternity means forever and ever and ever and ever. And I'm saved by the grace of God. Not because of who I am or what I am, or my daddy and mom and how good they were or any other education or anything else. I'm saved by the grace of God. And Jesus Christ came in this world and died for my sins and paid for Adam's sin, which reigns in my body. And I'm because I'm a sinner, not only by choice, but by inheritance, I'm a sinner. And therefore, God's grace can save anybody. And if you've never accepted what Jesus Christ did for you, you can today. That's the reason I like this, I said, preaching. Because every man has to come to that place. Where it's when you're a little child, where it might be where I was 26 years old, before I ever realized Jesus loved me and died for me. And He could save my soul, and I accepted Him as my Savior. And yet my daddy was 81 years old. My grandpa... And, and I could go on and on, naming people way up in their age when they got saved. Wherever it's at that you come to the knowledge, Jesus died for me. Then you're ready for salvation. And you can ask Jesus, Lord, I want you as my Savior. And He said, I'll save your soul. Amen. And it's done. God's grace is good. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us to understand this great truth. Sometimes, Lord, we do things, and Lord, we don't feel saved. We say things. We lose our temper. We do all kind of crazy things, and we realize that we're in sinful flesh. We've not got out of it yet, but one day we will. But Lord, if we glory in the fact that we're not saved by who we are and what we are, we're saved by your mighty grace and love for us. And I pray that somebody here today has never realized that fact before, that they will right now. While we got our heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there's somebody here today that say, Preacher, I know that Jesus is the Christ. I know He can save me, but I've never asked Him to save my soul. And I want to right now, right here. Nobody else's business but yours. But you'd raise your hand and say, Preacher, I want to ask Jesus to be my Savior right now. Is anybody like that while we wait for just a minute? Heavenly Father, you know what this service is for. And I pray, dear God, that you'll deal with each one of us. Help us to glory in the fact of your salvation, not in we ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing something. Please. It's 382, softly and tenderly.
If you need any more help, if you want to come forward, I'll be glad to help you if you'll come. I'll meet you right here. Just sing, please. Oh, yeah.